0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Uh, today we have another podcast where I was a guest on someone else's podcast uh, and it's a relatively shorter podcast than our usual podcast but we're putting it out on our feed as well. Uh, this is the Cato Daily Podcast with Caleb Brown where I was just on it Talking about the situation in Missouri in which reporters for the St. Louis Post Dispatch had discovered that the state's Department of Elementary and Secondary Education website was revealing the social security numbers of teachers and administrators uh, directly in the HTML source code on certain pages. And rather than admitting that the agency had screwed up its security, the department actually put out a press release calling the reporters hackers, and the state's governor, Mike Parson, doubled down, calling them hackers and then asking for them to be prosecuted. So Caleb had me on the Cato podcast to discuss that situation and then what happened more recently last week uh, around the the state uh updating folks on that situation. Uh and uh then that is the podcast for today. Uh, we've recorded a bunch of uh of our own podcasts and we will have them uh, coming up in the next few weeks but for this week uh, we have me on the kiddo daily podcast
1: the world is increasingly technological so we have better get methodical bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us painting and taking on all the plates to pay control document the way that they aim to take control denies and their lies and make them bold. if we don't stand up to them someone will get This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. When journalists in Missouri discovered a state website hosting pages that contained social security numbers of thousands of teachers, they told the state and published their discovery. For their trouble, they were threatened with lawsuits. Now, months later, Mike Masnick of TechDirt believes the state hasn't really learned its lesson. Some journalists in Missouri made a discovery and published the fact that they made this discovery and the state uh, well first of all describe what this discovery was and describe how the state rewarded them
0: (laughs) so uh they found that on the uh state's website or the department of i forget it it has a a long name but the department of education for elementary schools basically uh, within the state of missouri had a, a, a website and if you knew where to look Within the source code, you could find the social security numbers of basically every teacher who has ever worked in Missouri and uh, school administrators as well. All right. That's a huge problem, right? This, <laughs> yes. this is, this is, this is yes. widely considered to be private information. Uh, and so how did the yes.
1: state respond?
0: Well, uh, I mean, first of all, just to go back one one further step, uh, which is that there were two separate audits that were done years earlier. I think going back to 2015 that warned this particular department that they should not be collecting this information from teachers and storing it. Uh, they, it wasn't; they weren't talking about the website, but they had been warned not to collect all of this information in the first place. Perhaps because they're not competent
1: to prevent that information from being publicly accessible?
0: <laughs> Perhaps. And so uh, what happened was they, well, first they alerted the state uh, and they waited until the agency uh, took down that part of the website to protect it. And then they published the story. And uh, what first happened was the department itself uh, public, put out a press release calling the journalists hackers. Uh, who hacked into their system when all they did was look at the source code. And then the governor called a press conference in which he called them hackers, said he had referred the matter to the, uh, I guess the highway patrol uh, who apparently is in charge of investigating these things. And he was, you know, hoping to prosecute the, these journalists for hacking and, uh, gaining access because to sort of show that, that, this information was exposed, they did find the actual social security numbers of three teachers. And so they said they hacked the information of three teachers and they expected them to be prosecuted.
1: Now, now before we get to the resolution here, uh, anybody who grew up in the late 80s or early 90s and uh, became aware of HTML... <laughs> yes. Uh you can look at the code. You could this is how I learned HTML was Same by here. <laughs> view source. You a little drop-down menu on your web browser that says you hit view source, and then you can look at the the design elements of a web page. And sometimes the things that are displayed do not fully uh capture Everything that is actually embedded in the code of the web page. So, every person who loaded one of these web pages that that contain this information, they actually were downloading that information every single time they loaded that page. And going to view source is the most basic thing somebody could do uh, as somebody who's trying to learn how to do web design or just wants to know how a page is constructed. It's not secret. It's, it's a terrible way to hide data if you're not supposed to make it publicly accessible. And it, I think it raises another question, which is, uh, you know, the government is, is characterizing these people as hackers, these journalists as hackers. Um, it really raises the question, well, on whom is it, uh, it, does the duty fall to keep this data from falling into the wrong hands? Like it's it's the most basic question, and the government, yeah. uh, uh, Missouri, seems to have flubbed that in a grand, loud <laughs> fashion.
0: Yes. I mean, almost hilariously so, right? I mean, as you noted, you know, viewing sources is very common, uh, and, and often encouraged. And, and in fact, you know, for, for years, going back to the early days of the web, you know, tech companies would actually put like little hidden things in their source code to try and find good engineers. So often they put like, you know, job openings hidden in the source code. It's, it's a very common thing. And, you know, the real issue is that You should never, under any circumstance, in any way, have private information like social security numbers in your source code. You know, if you're looking at this and going back to what was the fundamental mistake, it was very much on the state of Missouri putting social security numbers, storing social security numbers in any way that could be easily accessed. First of all, second, then putting them into the HTML. Uh, but the, the incredible thing was, was that, you know, after everybody started mocking the governor, he went on this rant basically and said, no, you know, it's not just as simple as storing the source code. They had to decode it. And it's like, D- d- decoded <laughs> is you know there, there was no there there was no you know th- this wasn't encryption <laughs> you know they were putting it into the the source code. There's no way in which that was the appropriate thing to do. And then f- further to that point, you know, there's a process in in the security world which is sort of you know referred to as ethical disclosure, which is if you find a breach like this, you alert the organization or operation or whoever has control over that data and you alert them and let them know that the, that this that their information is available before you tell the public. So the, I'm, I'm going to ask this. Is yeah. that what the reporters did? Did they alert? That's exactly what the <laughs> right? reporters did. It was it was absolutely standard. It was, you know, absolute best practices. This is how you do it, which is, you know, you agree not to publish anything you know, until you have alerted them, you have given them a chance to, to take it down. And in this case, you know, there are situations where it does become uh, perhaps a moral gray area where you alert someone and they don't do anything. And after you've alerted them a few times, and you're trying to figure out what to do. In those cases, sometimes people, you know, this is where there's a debate. Sometimes people will still go public with it to sort of alert them, like to, to ratchet it up because they were being ignored. That's not what happened here. They alerted the state. The state pulled down the webpage, which is the the right thing to do, and then they published the article, which is perfectly ethical behavior. It's standard best practices. You know, it, it, this was not that they revealed it and allowed everybody to go download everybody's social security number. So, like, they did this you know, exactly the way they were supposed to, and then got called hackers and and investigated by, by you know, state law enforcement. Now, these are the kinds
1: of, uh, you don't even want to call it an exploit, because it's not really an exploit. It's just <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible data management. Yes. Um, and uh, y- you would expect that a government agency would perhaps put out a public letter and say, we very much appreciate the efforts of these uh, reporters in in alerting us to a terrible mistake that we made. Uh, the state chose a different tactic. The governor, <laughs> who, uh, you know, I might vote most likely uh, among governors to ask the question, how do open PDF? But the uh, it, it was a horrible mistake. So here we are, months after this event has uh, unfolded and the state's case, such as it was, uh, quickly collapsed into nothing. How has the state been characterizing this incident since then?
0: Well, what what actually what happened was they went silent for a while. And then, you know, what, what has just happened was they that the state agency that that made this mess in the first place put out this, you know, this release that that apologized to the teachers, admitted that, you know, they had uh, messed up and revealed the information on, they said, you know, over 600,000 Teachers, former teachers, administrators, which is a lot more than the journalists. The journalists had only said they believed that about a hundred thousand were exposed. Turns out it was you know six times that. Um, and offered you know there was a sort of you know heartfelt apology. We we take your privacy seriously, and you know we are working to 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 fix this. Uh, and they they did the. You know the the sort of standard response that every organization does after uh, a data breach has been revealed, which is they offered the the people who were whose data was exposed, uh, you know, one year of credit monitoring and identity theft uh, services. And so, like, it's it's sort of the the bar minimum. You know, at, at this point, if you haven't been offered free credit monitoring and an identity theft services for a year or two from like You know, five or six different organizations that you do business with, you know, you, you haven't done much online because, because everybody gets that. Um, however, they, they haven't said anything about the, the journalists who originally exposed this. And in fact, um, you know, the I think it's the Kansas City Star reported that the investigation is technically still ongoing. So they haven't even dropped it yet. And they haven't admitted that that the journalist did the right thing. So in theory, the journalist could still be prosecuted. I don't know for what. And I don't see how that case would get anywhere. But technically, they're still being investigated. Uh, How often does this happen?
1: That is, uh, Agencies that, you know, admittedly, they're smaller than the feds. They have a they have a much smaller uh, mandate when it comes to uh, managing data. Uh, How often do these kind of data breaches occur?
0: I mean, all all the time And, and obviously not just state agencies. But I mean, you know, with with state and local governments, uh, you know, they have limited budgets and the computer systems are often old and not well designed and maybe not designed by, you know, people who have experience with the security and privacy aspects that are really kind of important, especially for government agencies. Um, and so, you know, these kinds of breaches do happen pretty frequently, though. Exposing stuff in HTML is the kind of stuff that that you know really kind of started to go out of fashion about 15 years ago. So I mean I don't know exactly how old this particular system is uh, but you know this is this is a kind of uh, mistake that, you know, we we haven't seen much of this nature. Usually, they're they're a little more sophisticated in, in their errors. Um, th- this is pretty embarrassing. Is there any indication that Missouri is going to do anything different here? I mean, I assume that they're embarrassed enough that that they the whoever the sort of technical folks are who are in charge of this are now aware of some of these basic security practices so I assume they're going to fix that aspect of it you know whether or not that will include like an entire thorough audit of their security practices and then you know rebuilding a system and creating much better best practices and, and following best practices you know who knows I, I have I obviously can't say but you would hope that this would be sort of a, a an awakening moment for for putting in place better security practices
1: and you wonder, I mean, this is obviously an egregious example, but to the extent that governments have uh, and even private sector actors have these kinds of data breaches th- uh, that occur, the corporate world, I think maybe is beginning to ask itself on occasion, do we need to collect what we're all the all the stuff we're collecting? Government agencies at least so far don't seem to have that same,
0: uh, concern. Yeah. I, I mean it's it's a big issue. And it, you know, it, it's true honestly of a lot of small, smaller organizations, uh, but also, you know, local, state and local governments where this has not been a real focus. And it's it's kind of a natural response. I mean, this gets into a whole bunch of other things, but it is kind of a natural response, which is, you know, if we can get this data, why not get this data? Um and so, you know, I think it's really only like the largest internet companies that are really carefully thinking about these things just because they've been burned a few times. But smaller organizations do the exact same thing, the same things that people often attack the big internet companies for doing when the, the big internet companies from very early on were a lot more careful about their data collection and data storage, uh, practices. And yet, you know, tons of smaller organizations have, have nothing in place. I mean, we do see. You know, similar things all the time, you know, sort of the the classic example of of really bad data security practices that lots of organizations run into is, you know, when you have passwords, the idea is that you as the company should not even be able to see what someone's passwords are. So you go through this process of hashing it, salting it and hashing it. I'm not going to get into what all that is, but it basically means that if I have your password, I can't even see it you know i can tell if you've entered it correctly but i will never know what your actual password is and that's kind of important and so when when password files get breached which happens semi frequently um you know a properly hashed and salted uh you know file of passwords is is kind of useless because whoever gets it still can't do anything with it but you know pretty frequently we see you know, some smaller organization, and in some cases, some fairly large organizations who didn't do that and have the password stored in what's called plain text, which means that anyone can read, you know, if you have the file, you can read them and suddenly you have everyone's passwords. And because so many people reuse passwords, that probably means you have passwords to log into all different other kinds of accounts. Um, And so you see those kinds of really bad security practices all over. And people, you know, and, and the organizations really just need to learn How to you know how to respond to this? In one way, is that when somebody, you know, an ethical, whether it's a journalist or you know, a a security professional, alerts you and says, "Hey, you have a problem here." It's it's a good thing to pay attention and to respond kindly to (laughs) to that, rather than accusing them of violating the law or hacking because you know you got lucky, right? Because there's a there's a a decent chance that somebody else who has ill intent and is not going to inform you, also found that information and is out there doing bad things with it, that eventually is going to come back and bite you much worse than just announcing like, oh, this journalist or this security professional alerted me to something and we fixed it.